AZPM still needs your help to build the new Baker Center for Public Media. If every AZPM member like you doubled their annual contribution, a new state-of-the-art facility will continue to bring public media to all of Southern Arizona. Donate now at azpm.org campaign. Welcome to The Buzz. I'm Christopher Conover. This week, a look at education policy in the new year. Universal school vouchers, safety, and teacher retention are among some of the top issues the legislature is poised to take on in its upcoming session. This week, we talk with education officials at the state and local level to hear what they think lawmakers should be talking about. Anyone who's lived in Arizona for at least one election cycle knows that education and the debate over what is the best policy is often at the forefront of campaigns. Part of that discussion focuses on per-pupil spending, a metric that Arizona always finds itself near the bottom in. One person who's spent a career trying to address education policy in the state is Tom Horn. Last year, Horn was voted back into the state superintendent's office after previously holding the role from 2003 to 2011. I began our conversation with Horn about what he thinks are next year's biggest issues. Well, uh, the first thing is we have schools where you, they have very high graduation rates and very low proficiency rates. Uh, when I was superintendent the first time around from 2003 to 2011, uh, students were required to pass the Ames test to graduate, and it was a great motivator. I never learned about anybody who who was unable to graduate because of not passing the Ames test. But I knew a lot of people who failed it the first or second time. They got five chances and studied hard, and then they were able to pass. So it was a, it was a terrific motivator. After I left office, that was eliminated, and uh, so now the teachers ask the kids to do well in the test because the teachers are judged by the results of the test. And the kids say, why should I? They have no motivation. They would leave early. They would doodle on the answer sheets is what teachers told me. Uh, so it's not fair to hold teachers accountable if you don't hold the students accountable. And and we need to motivate our students. So I would like to bring back that requirement. And and we're adding something to it that either you either you get a, a, above a, a rather minimal cut score on the the test they take in high school now, which is the ACT, or you get a credential in career technical education. So we know you have a skill to get a good job after high school so that every student can graduate being college or career ready. That's our goal. Uh, the second thing I'll be pushing is we need to have our administrators support our teachers on discipline. We've had too many administrators who want teachers to be understanding and uh, and so the kids get away with misbehavior without any consequence and students want, want uh, guidelines, but if one student gets away with things the other's doing, pretty soon it becomes impossible to teach. Uh, so I think a lot of our low test scores and uh, are, are due to, to a lack of discipline in the classrooms, and, and a lot of our uh, teacher leaving are, is partly because of the administrators not supporting them. You bring up teachers leaving. One of the things we also hear, in addition just to the difficulties in the classroom, is teacher pay. There's a group of Republicans in the legislature who are talking about trying to increase teacher pay. Is teacher pay the answer? Is that something you want to get behind, or are there other issues? 
I did get behind it. It's it's necessary, but not sufficient. Uh, but it is necessary. We need to pay more. The surrounding states pay more. We lose good teachers to surrounding states, which we can't afford. Uh, we lose 40% of our teachers in the first uh, four years of teaching. And then if you go to nine years, it's another 23%. So in that period, we lose 63% of our teachers. We cannot afford to do that. We can't replicate that number. Of course, money is always an issue in the legislature. You know that as well as anybody from having been, as you said, on school board, superintendent of public construction, attorney general. You know all about the budget. Uh, the, legis- the Joint Legislative Budget Committee is forecasting a $400 million shortfall in the state budget. Where do things like teacher pay, funding for the ESAs come from, do you think? Let me take ESAs first, because there's a myth that the ESAs are above budget, and that's causing a state, a state deficit. The fact is, if you take all of the uh, school expenses, public schools, public charter schools, ESAs, and so on, we're $75 million below budget. Uh, the, the, the miscalculation that we've had from some sources is they don't realize that they don't, you, you don't just take the cost of the essay, you have to consider what it would cost us if that student were in a public school. Uh, and, and so the net cost is much less than, than what they've been saying. Um, so ESAs are not causing a budget problem, and, uh, and K-12 education as general is not causing a budget problem. We're substantially below budget. I want to circle back to the empowerment scholarship accounts because, as you mentioned, so many people are talking about it. And, and from what you're saying, they're talking incorrectly about it. There's not a shortfall. It's not d- double over budget, uh, as some people are saying. That's exactly right. Yeah, you, 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 you understood me completely. And, and so is this just politics uh, for people who don't like them, uh, trying to shoot them down and roll them back uh, to where they were, you know, fewer kids eligible? Is that what's going on? I think it might be problems with uh, the governor's staff when they do their calculations. They just figure the gross cost without figuring the cost it would, that we would have to incur if they were in public school and netting that out. I, I think that I, I don't I don't think anybody's deliberately being misleading, but I think the staff over there had not calculated the numbers correctly. What is the number one thing that the legislature needs to do in conjunction with your office, I'm guessing, uh, to really, you know, get our schools moving forward more? It's very important that we raise teacher salaries and money is very important. But as far as legislation originating from us as a request to the legislature, it's not a matter of bringing back the Ames test. We have the ACT test now. It's a matter of saying, if you can't show that that you're minimally proficient in reading and math, uh, you shouldn't get a high school diploma. Uh, it, it, uh, employers need to know the high school diploma means something. We have schools with 9% proficiency and 92% graduation rate. Those are fraudulent, fraudulent uh, diplomas. And uh, we need to be sure that students are learning something in school, not just spending their time there and, and then getting diplomas without being able to do, at least be able to do reading and math. All right, Superintendent, thank you for spending some time with us. Thank you. It's my pleasure. That was State Superintendent of Public Instruction, Tom Horn.
Pima County voters have an earned reputation of often turning down school bonds and overrides. But this year was different. Every override and bond that was on the November ballot in the county was approved. We spoke to Pima County Superintendent of Public Instruction, Dustin Williams, to see why this happened and what it means. What do you as superintendent for Pima County see as the big needs that the state and the legislature have got to give us next year to keep our schools growing and thriving? We've got to see the momentum of money coming into the schools, plain and simple. We have a massive teacher shortage that's out there. We know that we have classrooms filled that teachers don't have the proper credentials. Bless them that we do have individuals in the classroom. But we know this industry needs a lot of help just in the money part, but also in the profession of itself. A lot of the schools need um, reconstruction. They need upgrades. They need technology. Safety is a big concern on everyone's mind. And all of that stuff takes a lot of money. So we have got to have some creative ways to bring some money and to continue some money coming into the state. Money coming in for the first time in a long time. Pima County voters across the board passed all the bonds and overrides for the districts here. That's got to help some. Uh, that does two things. We know we have a cushion of money coming in that's going to help and desperately needed. But more importantly, we know that constituents are telling us the direction in this state is to fund public education. And when the constituents decide that's the direction they want to go, we know that's good for kids. How is Pima County doing with all the ESA and all the, I guess, controversy? I mean, we've seen a report relatively recently that parents were buying ski tickets and all kinds of things like that with the ESAs. From your standpoint, how are things? Obviously, Arizona is a choice state, and we all respect that. We have some big challenges in this state at the governor level, the state legislature level, that has to have a real conversation of what do universal vouchers or ESAs, which is money that pays for private school. It also gives money for homeschool. Um, that bill right now is a billion dollars, approximately a billion dollars a year. We don't have that. And when you topple the new flat tax that Governor Ducey introduced and the majority of Republicans passed, that also has developed a revenue problem. So we're in the state approximately $400 million in the hole. So that is the biggest concern when we talk about Pima County. We look at it as a state perspective. It's not just Pima County. This is 15 counties all saying how are you going to fund not just public schools in the form of district, not just charter schools, but now you've tacked on private schools and we were already last in per pupil funding and we have a reduction in revenue. It's a, it's a big concern. With that reduction in revenue, if the dollars from the state don't go up or go down, what happens in Pima County? Because you've got to make decisions based on the money you have. So what gets funded and what gets left alone or put off? What you start to see is where legislature will make cuts. And what we don't want to see are cuts in already a, a profession 
that truly is struggling to keep people on the doors or bring people into the industry. If you look at the people lining up to get their college degree for education, uh, the numbers are low. Matter of fact, they're, they're very low. If you look at our applicant pool for teachers, that's low. If you look at the amount of money it is for a parapro, paraprofessional like a teacher's aide or a bus driver or a custodial worker, we're talking 14 15 maybe $17 an hour. But for those parapros, you're still at minimum wage. Th these are low, low wages, so we can't afford any cuts. So what we have got to see is somehow this state come up with a way that they're going to fund the universal vouchers if that is the direction that they've already passed and want to do, not to mention the accountability and transparency problem that we have with that, which is major. Um, everybody needs to put this on their radar, and then we also have to start to have the conversation of the aggregated expenditure limit which this year it is passed, so we won't have to worry about it in March. But the following year in 2025, that is looming. That's another billion dollars. Matter of fact, it's about a billion point four. So one of the things you mentioned earlier was teachers, and we need more teachers. We need more qualified teachers. Republicans in the legislature recently unveiled their idea to raise teacher pay. We're still looking for some details on the exact how they would, but is that the only answer or is there more the legislature needs to do to help teachers beyond increasing their pay? When you say you're giving a teacher raise, and let's say it's $4,000, which was mentioned, technically a $4,000 raise isn't the $4,000 right on the paycheck because you have what are also called employee expenses, medical expenses and so forth, what insurances are, all sorts of back out ends of $4,000. And so those are the things that we, we really want to work with the state legislature and say, hey, we like the idea. If the land trust idea is the way to maybe get some money, okay, we'll have to let the JLBC and everyone make sure it's correct. But now what are you doing to the whole other side of the profession? So a teacher does really, really good in their classroom, but a teacher does much, much better when they have that parapro in there, especially when you get into the special education arena. So our special education teachers needing those trained paraprofessionals to work with our special education students is vital to make sure we're doing it all the best way we can. How about all the other stuff that goes into teaching? the? We, we have the arguments about teaching good and bad, about teaching the test, so to speak, and restrictions that ebb and flow based on politics about what teachers can and can't teach and things like that. What do you need the legislature to do to support teachers, again, beyond the paycheck? We need to limit the amount of mandates that you start to come see. You know, there's a mandate for um, possible no more surveys. That's a mandate that came out. That you know that that inhibits a teacher from teaching and doing well. We need to have surveys in place. You're seeing you know possible banning of books. Um, these types of arguments and fights are distractions. We want to let the professionals do what the professionals do best. We saw the report from the Department of State Department of Education on school grades. No failing schools in Pima County. Well, there was one, but it was an alternative school. Um, but everybody else, 
passing grades, that's a good sign. What are things looking like as we move through this school year into the next one? Are we on an upward trend? You know what? We are on an upward trend. And look at what has been attached to the upward trend. So we had an infusion from Governor Ducey's administration, which was the 20 by 20, uh, largely in part from Red for Ed. So we want to have the kudos where the kudos need to be given. Um, but that was money that was that helped. It really, really did. It helped with salaries. It helped with programs. Well, that that has ended, right? We also then had a pandemic, which was awful. But that pandemic brought in what were, what were called CARES dollars or ESSER money. That also discontinues in 2025. So now we have to say to ourselves, we've got the momentum. We've seen what an infusion of money can start to do, even during a pandemic and out of a pandemic, if our test scores are where they are, we've got to figure out a way that's going to be balanced and is going to continue flowing dollars into public education. And then we're going to have to have a really hard conversation with the legislature of what are they going to do with the billion dollar price tag to pay for private school and the homeschool community. That sound like difficult conversations, but you and I have had these conversations for many years. I also catch a glimmer of, of, of hope and positivity in your voice with all of this that at least Pima County schools, all is not lost. There are really some good things going on. You know, it is a proud time. I could not be more honored and grateful to be a part of the education system here in Pima County. But something that else is special here in Pima County, the business community has partnered with a lot of our, our schools. That's positive stuff. So if you have a business community that sees the big picture, because they want trained professional workers that are highly educated, um, that's a big win because they also float in some of the arenas of the more conservative areas. And so hopefully they can be some of our champions to say, what do we do? How do we get ingenious? And how do we continue the money flow? And how do we bolster the profession and education here in Pima County, but also here in the state of Arizona? That was Dustin Williams, the Pima County Superintendent of Schools. We end the show with KJZZ politics reporter Wayne Schutzke. He's new to the public radio airwaves, but is a seasoned Arizona Capitol reporter. So we asked him to forecast what may or may not happen with regards to education and the legislature. There are a few things. Uh, the ESA is number one. Obviously, the, the Democrats want to rein that in. Republicans don't want to touch it. The fact of the matter is, is that, you know, the program is over budget this year by about, I think in September, they had already gone over by about $40 million. And it's projected to be cost anywhere between 900 million and a billion next year. So it's a huge expense. That um, comes at the same time that tax collections are down. We're running a state budget deficit. The ESA program, not entirely to blame. There's a lot of factors there. Like I said, tax taxes are down with the uh, flat income tax that passed um, back under Governor Doug Ducey. And then also, you know, that's all the one-time spending pet projects that went into last year's budget. So it's a big thing, but the ESAs have become a big focus, especially for Democrats, on how to rein in that spending. Um, the other, it, but there's some other big things. Uh, Republican leaders have announced a plan they want to try and put out to voters to raise teacher pay. So that would require a 
renewal of Prop 123, which is the uh, uh, basically increases the amount of money from the state trust fund that goes to education. But now they want to use that just for teacher pay, not for other educational expenses. Would be about a seven percent raise, but that would have to go to voters. So let's start with ESAs since that's the one that's getting all the attention. We talked with Superintendent Horn and he said, no, 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 it's not over budget. It's all how you look at it because those students that are now getting ESAs and are off in private schools, they're not costing the public schools money. So net, it's it's under budget. If you look at the net, it's the governor's office doing the math wrong. Um that that seems like an answer that may or may not fly very well at the Capitol, depending on which side of this you're on. I believe the calculations I've seen from from the budget folks over at the legislature and what the governor's office may be relying on is students coming from charter schools who are going into the ESA program is a net savings. It, but students coming from public public schools, uh, non-charter public schools into the ESA program are not a net savings. And um, also what I've seen thrown around by uh, ESA proponents is they also look at the federal money that goes in, which kind of then creates an apples to oranges um, situation. Um, yes, because the feds are not going to be spending money on a student that is going into the ESA program, but at the same time, the schools are losing that money too. Um, so uh, yeah, so th that's kind of an apples and oranges proposal. But I think if you're looking just straight at the money that's impacted by the ESA only, that state, that money coming directly from the state, um, removing the federal stuff, removing the local taxes for overrides and things like that, then yeah, charter school students will save money for the state. Public, non-charter public school students will not save money for the state. Um, and then there's the question of students uh, who are already private school students who were paying full freight at their private schools and are now benefiting from the ESA program. Of which we're hearing more and more about. Um, the other thing it seems with ESAs is um, what parents are doing with some of that money, uh, homeschool parents and other parents are doing with it. Uh, at the ad hoc committee, there were all kinds of stories about the $500 Lego set, which if my mom is listening, I want to ask why I never got a $500 Lego set, but I do know the answer to that also because it was $500. Um, is that something the legislature you think would be able to tackle or is that just going to be so much political haymaking noise? Yeah, I don't think there's any appetite by legislative Republicans to rein in the type of things parents can buy because their response to stuff like that has largely been, you know, that, you know, the whole point of this program is to give parents the freedom to educate their children how they want. And that, you know, a, a Lego can be a learning tool used in the right context. Um, additionally, there was a little, I don't know if uh, Superintendent Horn mentioned this, there was, <laughs> as you said, political hay made over that $500 Lego set. Turns out the group that posted that and the, the anti-voucher group did, did a little fun Photoshop the parent who had asked the question in the group, the, the ESA parent group that led to that whole kerfuffle, wasn't actually citing a $500 Lego set. The group that pointed it out used a photo of their comment and then put the $500 Lego set underneath it and maybe insinuated that that's what they were referring to when in fact they weren't. Um, now, the group, SO, uh, Save Our Schools, has come out and said, you know, we weren't intending to mislead people. We were just saying that this would in fact qualify. And they're not wrong. It, it would if, if a parent decided they want wanted to. 
it did lead to a good sound bite at the ESA committee down at the legislature where a parent turned to an SOS representative and said, I'll buy it. If my kid wants $500 Legos, I'll buy it for him. So. You mentioned teacher raises. Republicans held a news conference recently saying that they're going to do teacher raises, as you said, taking the money out of the state land trust fund, um, which will require a vote from voters, which is always a bit of a dice roll. Uh, what is what is the legislature's responsibility on this besides putting it on the ballot? Is there anything they can do uh, before it maybe gets to the ballot or do they not want to just leave it to voters? In terms of this, pro- if they're going this route with Prop 123, that's really their responsibility is to refer it to voters and say, hey, we would like to do this. And it's up to you to say yay or nay. Um, obviously, there are other ways they could go about increasing teacher pay. We saw it a few years ago under Governor Doug Ducey when we had the Red for Ed strike and all the teachers down at the Capitol, and they chose to you know, do teacher raises through the more traditional means, which is just putting it in the budget. Um, but yeah, if they want to go this route, it's going to require going through the legislature, which is, is pretty evenly split, obviously. The Republicans have the majority, so if they can get all of their folks on board with it, then they can just send it right over uh, to voters. Otherwise, it'll take some Democratic support, and Democrats are still a little bit uh, well, queasy, we'll say, on the plan. They're not necessarily against it. They just want to see the details because the actual language hasn't been filed yet. When it comes to things like ESAs, which the Republicans, as you said, really don't want to touch, the Democrats do want to touch, with the tight margins, partisan margins in the legislature, is that the type of issue that can really get hung up and hang up the budget potentially? And nobody wants to stay at the Capitol, especially in an election year, too long because there's no fundraising allowed and they can't really be out on the campaign trail. Uh, does ESA rise to that or do the Republicans have the ability just to keep it down? I think it definitely has that potential. Uh, it depends on how much of a fight Democrats want to put up this year. And I say that because with such tight margins, there's a very realistic chance they could take one or both chambers next year. And if that happened, then they would control the legislature and the governor's office and they could do whatever they wanted with ESAs. That was KJZZ reporter Wayne Schutzke. And that's the buzz for this week. Tune in next week as we dig into what land-grant institutions are and how they affected Arizona's tribes. You can find all our episodes online at azpm.org and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for The Buzz Arizona. We're also on the NPR app. Paula Rodriguez and Zach Ziegler are our producers with production help from Desiree Tucker. Our music is by Enter the Haggis. I'm Christopher Conover. Thanks for listening. Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.